0: I do have a word for you this morning. (laughs) I will never preach the same sermon twice unless God says. Because I always feel it's really important to have a fresh word to speak for those who need to hear it. Um, So that's great. Now there was a one time, uh, I was in North Anson in Sheffield several years ago and I'm asking God... To, uh, to give me a word as I was going to preach that Sunday and God gave me nothing. And I got to the church that Sunday morning and I'm sat there and, uh, and God still gave me nothing. We went through the worship, God still gave me nothing. I was terrified. And then it came to the time for the speaker to come up and they announced something different. So I'd got the date completely wrong and that's why God didn't give me anything at all. And so I really feel that, yeah, it's really important to have a fresh word for God, from God, for you. Now, it's really interesting as well being filmed because the last couple of times I've preached here have been filmed and I've watched it back and I've never seen myself preach before ever. Now, I am considering going on a diet, so this can be like my before and after shot, so in maybe a year's time I can be stood there with my trousers out here like this. Well, maybe, maybe, we'll see. Although I've seen that bag of fish and chips over there, and I'm just salivating. So uh, I don't think the diet will actually ever happen. So I had nothing at all from God until Monday morning, and it was in a bit of a peculiar sort of way. And it was really interesting that Alan prophesied something about radio this morning, because I'm driving to work Monday morning, and uh, I wasn't aware that the radio was on, but it was. And you know it's like when you're on the motorway, the, the, the sound of the road is a lot louder, isn't it? You know, you change your environment and the noise becomes a lot louder. So I'm in the car, I'm driving to work Monday morning. The, the radio's on, but I wasn't aware of it. And I suddenly became aware that it was on. I could just make it out, but I couldn't hear the rhythm. I couldn't hear what was being said, what was being sung. I couldn't hear the music. I just got a, a, just an inkling that it was on. I could just make out a little bit that the radio was on. So I leant across to turn the radio up. And I couldn't still hear it very well because now I was on the motorway and the, the volume of the road had got a lot louder. And so I had to turn it up some more. And God said, that's what it's like When you hear his spirit, you've got to adjust. You've got to make an adjustment to hear God. To hear the rhythm of God. To hear what he's saying. To hear what he's doing. So I had to adjust the radio and turn it up. But the surround sound of the motorway was still so loud that I had to then put the windows up. I was going to go like that, but that would be in the old car. And I had to put the the, the windows up so I could hear better the rhythm of the music on the radio. Sometimes we have to block out the surround sound to hear better the rhythm of heaven and what is going on. So I'd like to invite uh, Chris up to come and uh, read a passage of scripture for us, if you would please. This is from uh, Mark 10, verse 46 to 52.
1: Then they came to Jericho, and as he was leaving Jericho with his disciples and a large crowd, a blind beggar named Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, was sitting on the road. When he heard that it was Jesus the Nazarene, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many were sternly telling him to be quiet, but he kept crying out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and said, Call him here. So they called the blind man, saying to him, Take courage, stand up. He is calling for you. Throwing aside his cloak, he jumped up and came to Jesus. And answering him, Jesus said, What do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said to him, "Rabbi." I want to regain my sight. And Jesus said to him, Go, your faith has made you well. Immediately he regained his sight and began following him on the road. Thank you.
0: Fantastic. Right. I'm actually feeling really quite nervous this morning. I bought some deodorant the other day uh, by L'Oreal. It's called uh, Stress Resist. (laughs) It's not working at all. But never mind. So Father, I need some help here, Lord. Speak through me, please. Use this passage and the other passage that we're going to look at. Father, we want revelation. We want fresh manner this morning. God, I pray as we come together, and we meet together, we listen to your word. Father, I can step aside. God, we want to hear you. We want to hear what your spirit's saying this morning. God, I thank you that the words have come, that, uh, come earlier uh, during the worship, Lord God. I thank you for the words that were sung and I thank you for the words that were prophesied. Lord, I thank you that Stew stole my sermon this morning. <laughs> And I was actually distracted by his trainers and thought, I'd quite like a pair of those. (laughs) But God, I thank you that you are here. And I thank you that you're going to use your word. Amen. Amen. Great stuff. So, Bartimaeus. Now, what I want to say is, first of all, verse 46. Now, I've heard this preached before this little bit. Now, so what I've done is, um, when I heard this on the radio, not on the radio, but when I radio illustration, I turned the radio up and God said, God said uh, uh, that's what it's like when you hear, hear from God. I'm like, okay, that, that's brilliant, but I need some illustrations from the Bible. I, where will that be? And uh, he said, uh, Bartimaeus and Zacchaeus. So that's two stories we're going to look at this morning, and we're going to look at Zacchaeus in a little bit. So, um, yeah, what it says is, then they came to Jericho. And then it talks about when they were leaving Jericho, as if nothing had happened in Jericho at all. Now I'd heard this bit preached before. They entered Jericho. They left Jericho. Nothing happened. I'm going to correct that this morning and say actually, something did. Because as we look at the story of Zacchaeus, we see that that's when Jesus encountered Zacchaeus, and Zacchaeus encountered Jesus, and there was salvation. And so something took place in Jericho. Now the name is really interesting. Why does the Bible tell us the blind beggar's name? Was not it just like the, uh, the woman with the issue of blood or the ten lepers? No names given, but here there are names given. Bar means son of Timaeus. Bar is the Aramaic word meaning son. Timaeus was his father's name. That's fairly obvious, I think most of us all knew that. But Timaeus comes from the word time, meaning to value, honour. Revere, Prize highly. Here we have Bartimaeus, son of value. Son of prized highly. This blew me away when I saw this this week. Never seen it before at all. In the New Testament, the word is used to describe someone's value and employability. Obviously, Bartimaeus was blind and had no employability. He was as far as society was concerned, had no value, no use to anybody. But in the passage we see Jesus' title, as Bartimaeus calls out, Jesus, son of David, the long-awaited eternal king and deliverer. That's who the Jewish people were waiting for. Jesus, son of David. Bartimaeus, son of Timaeus, one of value, highly prized. Bartimaeus' value was determined by his circumstances, but his name said he is the son of value. He is highly prized. His circumstances said he's of no value, but in God's eyes, he was valuable. Bartimaeus was by the side of the road on the way out of Jericho. And Jesus and a large group of people were following. And they were walking along and they were passing by. They were passing by Bartimaeus. And Bartimaeus could have chose to stay absolutely silent. Or he might have said, alms for the poor, money please. He might have jiggled his little tin if he had one. And he wouldn't have received his miracle. But Bartimaeus could hear a rhythm. The rhythm Around him was changing. Something was taking place. And he knew that it was Jesus, son of David. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me, he cries out. Probably far less dignified than what I just did it. But I'm a little embarrassed. He recognised his opportunity because the rhythm had changed. Something was taking place. He, He couldn't see. He had no vision of what was before him. But he knew, he heard, that Jesus was passing by. Some people say it was a revelation that he got, that it was the son of David. And it's amazing that in this passage, it gives Bartimaeus' name, son of Timaeus, and Jesus, son of David. There's a really important thing, that's as far as I can take it, because I'm not a theologian. But Jesus is passing by, and he cannot see, but he gets a sense, and he wants Jesus to stop. He wants To take that opportunity, that once maybe in a lifetime opportunity to receive the thing that he needed most. Because right where he was, had he stayed quiet by the side of the road, his circumstances would have dictated the rest of his life and nothing would have changed. Nothing would have altered. So he took the opportunity. As we become more desperate for God... Will we be the ones that cry out, get a little bit more undignified? I hate singing that song because I feel really embarrassed. And I said this to Mike the other week, that I just get visions of flailing arms and legs and looking really crazy. A bit, uh, a bit odd. But what about our desperation? What about that thing that's inside us, that we want more of Jesus? That we want him to... Uh, To invade our lives as such. To to encounter him on such a level that we've never experienced before. Are we prepared to become more undignified, more desperate, put our desperation on display and call out to him, Jesus, son of David, and get Jesus' attention as he passes by. As we become more desperate for God, people say, don't behave that way. That's not how we do things in this church quieten down Shh. but what did Bartimaeus do he shouted out all the more it says he shouted out all the more he wound up the windows he drowned out the surround sound he went no I want this this is my opportunity yeah. Jesus stopped and called him call him over he says call him over Jesus didn't go over to Bartimaeus. I think this is really interesting that Jesus didn't even seem to, seemingly, bother to go over. But Jesus stopped and said, call him. So they called him. Now if this was me, if I was Jesus at this point, I would say, call him over. Ah, he's blind. He can't see where to go. And I'd feel really awkward. You know, that awkward moment? I had, well I've had a few in my life to be fair. But... (laughs) I met a guy that was going to do a talk at an awards night for us in July. And I knew he had a disability. I knew he did wheelchair rugby and different things like that. So I expected to, you know, he'd be in a wheelchair and have a, a disability to a certain level. And I was waiting in Costa in, in Crossgates for him. And he came through the door and he came around the corner. He was standing up, he was walking around because he had uh, the legs on. And uh, I reached out to take his hand and realised he didn't have a right hand either. So uh, that was a little bit awkward. So it was that kind of like... Great, cool, That's, I'm down with the kids for that sort of, I'm just making it up as I go along. So anyway, he was fine with it, he's probably really used to it. And then we were at a parent's evening a few weeks ago, and um, is going through the list of the teachers that we've seen so far, the, the teachers we're going to see. I'm a bit of, bit of a daze really, a bit of a world on my own most of the time. And there's a teacher over there, and uh, in my head, RE computes as Spanish. Um, we went across and we sat down, and I looked at the name tag, and it said, whatever the name was, RE didn't compute I'm still thinking Spanish this lady's talking and uh, she's got an accent I'm thinking obviously Spanish you know my brain is translate like, this is Spanish and uh, she's talking loads and loads and loads we get towards the end and she has any questions and I just could have just shut up and gone at that point but me being me I'm like no maybe ask you a question about Spanish and she's like I'm from Transylvania Romania <laughs> Okay, well, I hope to never see you again, and and off I went. But Jesus says, call him over. Call him. And he didn't have that awkward moment, like I would have done. Because he knew that Bartimaeus had to respond by faith. It had to come from Bartimaeus. Sometimes we sit down with our arms folded and uh, minds closed and say, Come on, Jesus, you can do this, do it. And that's it. And we shut up shop. But Bartimaeus had to respond to the invitation. Jesus doesn't jump in and solve everything for us. He tells us to get up. Stop sulking. Stop blaming your circumstances. Get off your backside and come. I'm paraphrasing. You wouldn't have said it like that. We have to adjust ourselves. We have to change our position. We have to make a step. Bartimaeus could have rightly said, I can't, I'm blind. He could have been angry at Jesus for being insensitive and seemingly not caring. He could have looked at his circumstances and said, this is my lot. This is who I am. I can't move because I don't know where I'm going. I can't see, remember. But Jesus calls him out. But Bartimaeus' response is the act of faith that is amazing that we sometimes... We miss it. We look at what Jesus does in the whole story of the healing, but we miss the point where actually this is an activation of faith in response to the word come, and that's how Bartimaeus gets his healing. So he throws off his cloak. It's an act of faith. He knows he's going to get what he's going to ask for. He knows he's going to get his sight. He's left his cloak behind. If I was blind, I wouldn't leave it Personally because I'd want to know where it is unless I was going to get my healing and get my sight then I can just look around and I can find it myself but that's faith isn't it yes. to step away from what's comfortable to what, from what you're used to and step out in response to that word that Jesus gives and Jesus asks the most obvious question what do you want me to do for you? He's blind? That's probably the thing. But Bartimaeus could have been could have been uh different circumstances. Apart from his blindness, he might have said, actually, I'd like to be rich, or I'd like to have a wife, or I'd like to have a job that I can do when I'm blind. But instead he asks for his sight. Bartimaeus sees the opportunity to ask, Rabbi, I want to see. Perhaps that might come across as a little bit selfish. But there is a power in bringing our voice to God. When I was out walking the dog last week, and I, I pray in my head, and I think I don't walk the dog too often because Isaac's brilliant at it, and so uh, I get away. We're not doing it, but I really know I must do more of it. And when I'm out, I like to prayer walk and pray walk around Seacroft and pray for the area, pray for the, the economy of Seacroft and, and the crime and so on and so on and so on. And I kind of felt a little bit challenged after reading this and thinking, do you know what, actually, I should probably pray out loud. Okay, there's no one around, nobody over the garden fences, I will pray out loud. An attempt to pray out loud. I think there's something important about bringing our words to God. Not just praying in silence, not just praying uh, by ourselves, but actually there's that corporate thing as well. In front of the whole crowd, Bartimaeus says, I want to see. He brings his request to Jesus. There's something about bringing our faith and our creative spoken word. Because we're made in the image of God and we bring that creative word. We bring that spoken word. We voice it. And there's something activated in the spiritual that we would never see in the physical. And then he's outworked in the physical in response to what takes place in the spiritual. In response to that faith, he speaks. and In in response to that speaking, there's healing. We have to recognise the rhythm of heaven. Jesus passing by the time to ask. If God was to ask us, what do you want me to do for you? We would probably say something like, anything you want, Lord. And look spiritual, sound spiritual, your will, Lord. Anything you want. And he's like, no, no, no. What do you want me to do for you? Anything, Lord. No, what do you want me to do for you? And this is the word for this morning. What do you want God to do for you? Be specific. Mm -hmm. Philippians 4 verse 6. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. So I'm not saying be selfish. I'm not saying ask for the Ferrari. We've got to align ourselves with the will of God. But within that, we can come boldly to the throne and we can ask. We can bring our prayers and our petitions. Now, to me, a petition is where I want the government to change something. So I'm going to produce a petition and I'm going to take it over here and I'm going to ask you to agree with me and I'm going to ask you to sign it. Then I'll take it and I'll take it over here and I'll ask you to agree with me and I'll ask you to sign it. And maybe put your address down and show that you're a real person, I'm not just making it up collectively together we petition we come together in agreements we're not just bringing our prayers we are bringing our petition and we're knocking on the door of heaven and we're saying god we all of us agree this is our petition this is what we ask for this is what we're knocking on heaven's door for and asking you of that's faith Go, Jesus said, your faith has healed you. He received what he made adjustment for. If I was to think about how the government might be doing something or the local authority might be doing something and do nothing about it, potentially nothing will ever change unless I adjust my behaviour and I begin to act on that and I make an adjustment. We settle for the circumstances and say, well, this is... Not this is, this is so. We say, "Well, this is my lot in life." When Jesus is saying, "But what do you want?" Jesus would have passed by, but Bartimaeus made an adjustment to catch the attention of Jesus. Bartimaeus would have never discovered his value, coming back to his name, had he not got Jesus' attention. The one who created time, Jesus, stopped and took the time to respond to the son of time, and change Bartimaeus's circumstances. Jesus aligned Bartimaeus's circumstances with his name. He gave him value. The meaning of his name that was given, valued, prized highly, now made sense. No matter what your circumstances are, Jesus aligns you, us, with our true value. No matter what our circumstances say around, no matter what the noise say, no matter what the people say when they say shut up, be quiet, sit down, be calm, be tame. Jesus aligns us with our true heavenly value in who we are in him. So can I invite Nick up to read the next passage please.
2: You? Okay. on it. Um, can you hold it? Because okay. I can't. Um, yeah, this is from Luke 19, and uh, it's one to ten. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was the chief ca- tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but being a short man, who could not because of the crowd.
0: Great, so there we see Jesus entered Jericho and was just simply passing through. That's a similarity there, isn't there? Bartimaeus, Jesus was passing by. So hang on, Jesus was just going through Jericho and someone got his attention. In Mark 10, Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. In Mark 11, Jesus enters Jerusalem. In Luke 19, Jesus enters Jerusalem. So both Mark 10 and Luke 19 are talking about Jesus in Jericho at the same point in time. Zacchaeus was a chief tax collector. They were the scum of the Jews. Romans who occupied the land had certain Jews to collect the taxes for them. They weren't salaried, so anything they collected over and above, they could keep. Now the meaning of Zacchaeus is untainted, pure. Its origin is Greek, Greek variants of the Hebrew name Zacchaeus, and he's generally pronounced uh, Zacchaeus. So Zacchaeus, or Zacchaeus, circumstances were corrupted. He was polluted by greed and was an outcast by his own people. The meaning of his name couldn't be further from his circumstances. Now I think you're going to know where I'm going with this. However, something was happening. The rhythm was changing in the town. Something was taking place. Now Luke 7, 34 says this. It describes Jesus, gives him the title of the friend of tax collectors. The friend of tax collectors was coming. Zacchaeus, the scum of society, heard the friend of tax collectors was coming. He wanted to get a really Good spot. Now, if it was me going to see Tour de France or the, the, the Triathlon, whatever it is, I would try and go ahead and get a good spot where all the crowd wasn't. And I can get up to the front then and I can have a good look to see what's going on. But the crowd must have been immense. And so when he ran ahead, there wasn't really anywhere to stand and see. And so, being a short man, he climbed a tree. And up there, he got a good advantage point. But he only intended to see Jesus, this rabbi's holy teacher, the one who who is causing a stir all over the place, who's changing the rhythm, he's coming this way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. The call is now. Respond immediately. Verse six, so he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. In other words, don't be a spectator on the side. You have a great viewpoint but I want to come in and dine with you. Come and encounter with God. It's not about standing at the side and just looking and watching and hearing what's going on. But Jesus knows your name and he calls you. And he asks you to step into it. He knows not only your name, but your value. The people muttered. This sounds familiar from the Bartimaeus story. People complaining and grumbling again and telling shut up. We will always have critics, those who want us to conform. Religion will conform, Jesus will transform. Isn't that good? We don't want to get stuck in religion and the the nuts and bolts and the the grinding of of, this is the way we do it and this is the way we always have done it and this is the way we always do it. But Jesus brings transformation, a change of us. And he says, but repentance came. Zacchaeus changed his way. Today salvation has come to this house. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Zacchaeus could have blamed his height for not seeing Jesus. Blamed God for having made him that short. Blamed his circumstances that led him to tax collecting. But Zacchaeus now experienced the meaning of his name. Untainted and pure. His circumstances didn't determine his value. Jesus aligned him with His value. He was no longer restrained by his circumstances. So, how do we adjust and hear the rhythm of heaven? And this is not magic. This is simple. This is easy. This is stuff we already know. And the first one I would say is this read our Bibles. To get into the Word. If you want to know what the rhythm of heaven is, if you want to know what the Spirit is doing when he's moving through this land and through this city and through this church, get into a Bible. Get into prayer. Get into his presence. Learn to recognize his voice. And what we find is, oh wow, what jumped out on me from this page, on whatever page in the Bible, wow, that's really spoke to me. And you go to church and somebody else is experiencing exactly the same thing at exactly the same time. That's what I'm talking about, the rhythm, the Spirit is doing something in his church. And as I look around and I connect with people, I see that he's doing the same thing in other people too. And we can call out and ask God to change our circumstances. Complete lost where I am oh yeah sometimes you need to shut up and listen other times we need to have the courage to throw off the cloak our comfort and shout to move visit where God is moving spend time with people who are in the river connect in their journey connect your journeys together see where the Holy Spirit will take you both learn to sense what God is saying doing and getting into I'm going to jump a little bit. A couple of weeks ago, we had uh, a church, and uh, I had a picture. And it was somebody stood in a river. And the river was, was fairly strong. And uh, the person were, were, was, was not wanting to, to kind of go along with the river. And they stood with their feet on the riverbed. Um, but they were more concerned about the pain and the discomfort of the stones under their feet. And getting just right so it didn't hurt anymore. And getting used to their circumstances. And, and getting, trying to get as comfortable as they can with the situation that they're in. That they were accepting the circumstances. And the Spirit said, lift up your knees. And the moment you take your focus off the the riverbed, the pain, the discomfort, the circumstances, you lift up your knees, what happens? You start to get taken along by the flow of the river. You start to get taken along by the Spirit. So take your eyes off your circumstances. Be like Bartimaeus and be like Zacchaeus. Don't blame your circumstances, but see the opportunity to adjust. Lift up your knees and allow the Spirit to take you. Bartimaeus adjusted his behaviour. Zacchaeus adjusted his position. It's one thing to know that God is moving. It's another to adjust your behaviour and position to encounter God. But we don't go around chasing the latest fad. By all means, visit other churches. And if God wasn't here, I'd say, let's get out of here. Let's go somewhere else. But don't go chasing the latest manifestation. Let's demand it for here, from you For me we demand it we call on God he's passing by we want to get a better view we hear what's going on but we don't just want to stop there we want to encounter what Jesus is doing to hear the rhythm of God is to tune in to what God is doing God doesn't, doesn't God doesn't try to talk to us he doesn't try to get our attention he never fails to communicate but we can stop listening we can tune out, we can switch off, we can harden our hearts towards God. Bartimaeus ignored those trying to shush him. Zacchaeus ignored the mutterers. So why did Bartimaeus and Zacchaeus' circumstances be so low to begin with? Do you think it does not seem unfair that God would put them in those circumstances in the first place? But that's because we look at it from our own perspective, our own sort of selfish, kind of like, this is not fair, I'm having a grumble. But actually, I think there's two things here. One is to bring glory to God. That through our circumstances, God brings about something and encounter a change that brings glory to him. And to lift them up. To lift you up. And through that as well, he brings glory to himself. Without the downer, there's really... And there's, sorry, without the downer, I got distracted by the uh, charismatic, yeah, <laughs> keep coming. <laughs> without the downer, there's rarely an encounter. Without the downer, there's rarely an encounter. It's when our circumstances hold us down, do we become desperate enough to call out to Jesus and to get that encounter that we need and want so much. God doesn't give you the details and the reasons why, because it's not just about the destination, it's about the journey, what you learn along the way. He wants us to respond by faith. We need to be living lives that we are needing him. And so he puts us in situations where we need him. So not everything is rosy, not everything is perfect, because if it was, we wouldn't need him. And he wants us to need him. So he allows us to, to enter situations or seasons or times or places and things that happen. And we go, oh God, I need your help in this. And we get desperate. We come undignified and we crawl out to God in our desperation. Yeah. I had a, a dream, I don't know, about four months ago. Real quick one. And uh, I'm driving along this road and I can see, I think it was fields to that side. There were some cliffs off and then to the sea. And I'm driving along this road. It was all lovely. And then it just began to get darker. And darker and darker. And this darkness began to rise up the bonnet and to a point where I couldn't see where to go. I couldn't steer. I couldn't see the road. I couldn't see the cat's eyes. I couldn't see absolutely anything at all. And I just felt the Spirit say, let go. And in that moment, in my dream, and, and, and this is metaphorical. I'm not suggesting you do this. I let go of the steering wheel and I sat back in the seat and relaxed and as I'm journeying the spirit is leading and I can feel in complete darkness I don't know where I'm going I don't understand the detail I don't understand what's going on where I'm going but I trust and as we turn I feel the lean as we turn that way I feel the lean as we speed up I go further back in my seat and there's a sense in which we need to allow the spirit of God to lead us and not cling on to the wheel of our life but relax and let go and allow him to lead us. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 7 says, we walk by faith, not by sight. That's the NIV. But the New King James Version says, we walk by faith, not by sight. We live by faith, not by sight. We walk by faith, not by sight. God doesn't just say stuff to make us feel good. He wants us to encounter him to be transformed. So the questions are, are you still moving at your own rhythm? Are you hearing the move of God passing you by and just enjoying the sound? Are you seeing the move of God going by and just enjoying what you see? Or do you want to step in and encounter with God? Well, actually maybe you're just not hearing the rhythm of heaven and that frustrates you. So I invite you to do a few things. Get into his word and into prayer make demands. Bring your prayers and petitions to God. And within that, why don't you make your first demand, Lord, help me to recognise the rhythm of heaven. In this house,
1: we are real. But we also make mistakes. And when we do, we make sure we say sorry. We give second chances. To anyone, and we also have lots of fun. In
2: this house, we definitely forgive.
1: We also do loud, we give the best hugs. We are family,
0: and in this house, that means. We. We. we love you.